Sermon number 625, What in the World Are You Doing? Preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, November 19, 1972. The text is Matthew, the 28th chapter, the 19th verse. Go then to all peoples everywhere and make them my disciples. the United States Congress, President Nixon has declared Thursday next as a day of national thanksgiving. He has personally asked that all Americans attend the house of worship and give almighty thanks to God. In his sight, and in the sight of everybody in this nation, Thursday is not as much of a holiday as it is a holy day. With all the blessings that we have, with the promise of peace about to be announced perhaps even this week, I think all of us should respond to the request of our President and be found in a house of worship on Thursday. The worship service will be held in this church at 10 a.m. It is for families of the community as well as for all of your families. All of you who consider yourselves not only Christians but good Americans, you are invited and expected for worship on Thursday morning. Hear the word of God today as it is found in Matthew's Gospel, the last chapter, beginning at the 16th verse. The eleven disciples went to the hill in Galilee where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, even though some of them doubted. Jesus drew near and said to them, I have given, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Go then to all peoples everywhere and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I will be with you always to the end of the age. The sermon title, which today appears in your bulletin in the form of a question, can be asked in two ways. Those of you who choose to underline the world, the word world and stress that particular word, you come up with a question that reads something like this, what in the world are you doing? If on the other hand some of you wish to underline the word you, 
You come up with an altogether different question. What in the world are you doing? You take the title as you wish. But please understand my task this morning and the goal which has been established under the guidance of prayer is to try and help each one of us to realize the individual responsibility that we have just not to this church or this community, but to the whole wide world. As Christians, we do not have a choice as to what that responsibility is. We have no choice, but rather we have a commandment which, spoken by our Lord, says, Go! You go! To all people everywhere, and you make them disciples of Jesus Christ, baptizing them not only in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but also teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. We're to help God to build a better world. This is not just a choice. This is what we call a commission. That verse of scripture is what we call in the church the great commission. In other words, we are commissioned with the responsibility to go to all of the world in his name to make this world a better place. And he goes with us. In this sense, we are co-missionaries with him because it is only as God blesses and directs can we help him to build a better world. And he tells us through Christ who said, I have given, been given all authority over heaven and earth, and I will be with you. I will bless you. I will be with you always. So we have a responsibility which we have no choice to fulfill. We have a commission to help build a better world. Now what are you doing in this world to help make it better? What are you doing today? In your work, in your worship, in your giving of life. What are you doing in the world to make it better? I don't think anyone can answer that question or fulfill creatively, constructively, lastingly anything that will really make a big difference in the world until first he has taken some personal inventory, until with insight and integrity he takes an inventory of who he is and what he has to give. If we don't know what we have, how can we give it? And it's only as we, through introspection and meditation, can we find out exactly who we are. Now, I don't think I need to tell any of you or labor the point that you are unique. I'm sure you realize by this time that there is not another person on this world 
living or who has lived or will ever live that is exactly like you. You are different. You are unique. You're an individual. There's nobody just like you. I told a man that not too long ago, and his wife, who was standing beside him, muttered what I'm sure some of your loved ones are thinking about you right now. Thank the good Lord. <laughs> they don't mean it, I think. I hope. <laughs> Whether they do or not really doesn't matter, does it? The important thing is that you are a unique personality. There is not in this world another person who has within him or her the same combination of likes and dislikes, fears, frustrations, hopes, dreams, likes and dislikes that you have. No two people have the same fingerprints. You are unique in that there is no other person just like you, and God needs that uniqueness that is in you, which he has created, to help him to build a better world. It's as simple as that. And if you will notice, nowhere in Scripture does God apologize for demanding and commanding us to give of ourselves, which includes not only body, it means our time, our talents, and our money. Nowhere does he apologize, and do you know why? He made us. He made you, and he made me. He allowed us to be different, but he still made each one of us. And he knows what is in each one of us. And he knows that unless we give some of this that he has first given us, we shall not live, he goes as far to say through his Son, Jesus Christ, that unless you are willing to give of yourself in my name to the whole world, you'll never find life. For whosoever gives his life for my sake in the gospel, he'll find it. But if you ever try to keep those things that God has given to you and which makes you unique, you're going to lose them. And in the process, you'll lose life, too. The meaning of life. So you see, God is really doing us a service when he expects us to give of the things that he has given us and which make us each unique. This is the way we find life. When you give, you live. And God knows it. So ladies and gentlemen, each one, what is it that God has given to you which you can give to help build a better world? What is it? I can't tell you what yours is and you can't tell me what mine is, but through personal inventory, each one of us can find out what it is that we have to offer. And don't let any of us sit here and say, either through false pride or false humility, that we have nothing to offer. 
We're an insult to God when we say that, and what's more, it makes us a liar. For if you have, and claim you have not, you are as guilty in the sight of God as the one who claims and has not. Both are despicable. And neither one helps much in building the kingdom of God here on earth. So what do you have? I really think the reason that we cannot give more of ourselves, and I'm talking not just about money, I'm talking about time and our bodies and our efforts and our thinking and our integrity and everything else, is not because we are greedy and cheap and tight. It's because we just don't know who we are. And unless you know who you are, I really don't think you can give anything constructive and creative and lasting in helping God to build a better world. My own mind, personal inventory is the first thing that one must take before he can give effectively. But unfortunately, just knowing yourself does not do the job of mission. There are far too many people who are so busy trying to find out who they are, they forget what it is that they are to do. And equally, there are are numbers of people who do know who they are and who give of themselves unselfishly, who give in good faith, But unfortunately, they are giving to things and projects and goals which are not helping to build the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, they are just the opposite. And though these people are giving much in the way of time and of money and of effort and of personal resource, thinking that they are helping God to build a better kingdom, in reality they are helping some evil, sinister force to overthrow the kingdom of God. You see, just because you give and you have something to give and you know yourself and you give from a free will and you give in good faith, that does not necessarily mean what you give of your resources is helping God. The only way that you can be sure that what you give is being used efficiently and effectively and for the purpose God needs to help build a better world is to be informed in information. Inventory you see first, then information. And this would In this we mean different types of information. One needs to be biblically informed as to what is the mission of the church. The church, you know, today, especially our own national church, is receiving much criticism. Criticism which comes in the form which claims that as a church, a united Presbyterian church, we throw too many good resources after bad projects. And I think it's about time we're big enough to admit, yes, that may be true. 
Because you see, the church people is not infallible. Though the church is a dream of God, it's been bought and brought to this world by Jesus Christ, even though it is blessed by the Holy Spirit, it still is comprised of people. People like you and me and you and I, we make mistakes. And as long as we are a part of the church, the church is liable to make mistakes. But before we are too quick to judge and to criticize the mission of some particular church, let us make sure that we understand biblically what the mission of the church is. Let's not criticize the church because of some personal feeling we have of what the church ought to be doing, but rather let's judge the church by whether or not it is fooling, it's fulfilling the mandate in Scripture which it has to be in mission. I find a lot of people think that the church should be involved in some things that they should not be involved in anyway, and likewise many people who think the church has no business being involved, that biblically, biblically is the very reason for which God brought it into existence. Now the only way you're going to know the difference is if you become informed. One of the reasons that we work so hard here at Bethel, and I'm very grateful for the advertisement that Mr. Wiley gave to adult education in this church, because we're working hard at it, and we're very grateful for those of you who have responded, but not enough of you have. Today, 279 people are involved in the Bethel program, in some phase of it. At least they've been enrolled. We're very grateful. But for a congregation which numbers this morning 1,448, that's not a very large percentage. The reason that Mr. Bruder's on this Acts study, because Luke Acts, you see, is a is a part of the Bible study for Key 73, which is an evangelistic missionary emphasis which is going to be throughout the United States. More than 150 denominations are supporting it in 1973, and it has one goal, to evangelize America for Jesus Christ. Now, we're not going to know how to do it unless we are informed publicly of what our mission is. And you do that only by becoming involved in the teachings and in study of God's holy word. But it requires more than that. As a matter of fact, knowing what the mission of the church is from the Bible is the easiest part in trying to use the resources which God has given us effectively and efficiently. The other is much more difficult, and that is in trying to be informed as to how the resources we give can be used the best and go the furthest. I don't know if any of you have had the responsibility of administering large sums of money, other people's money and other people's resources, to use it to the best advantage where it gets the most work done in the shortest period of time. But that's not easy, ladies and gentlemen. If you read the newsletter last edition, you know that our Stewardship and Finance Committee chairman reported that every Sunday 
every time a dollar bill was put into that offering plate. Thirty-three cents of it was given away. That doesn't sound like too much. Next year, with the budget which you have approved and with the support we hope you're going to give to that budget, 40 cents of every dollar we're going to give away. We're on that road to the goal which was established before I came to this church, but which I might add is one of the reasons I came to this church, of giving one dollar away for every dollar we keep. We hope we're going to reach that goal before 1980. But we can do it only with the support of the people and people who are informed that once we get that money, we still have a greater problem, but it's the same problem that we have today. How can you be sure that you are using that resource efficiently and effectively, be it money, be it time, be it a person's talent? Speaking as one of those who has to make that decision, it's, it's not easy to do, and there's only one way you do it, and that is to become informed. Informed of what is going on in the world today, the different forms of ministry, and trying to figure out whether or not that is the most effective way we can use our resource. One way we try to help you make your decision is by giving to every family in this congregation, those who accept it, A.D., which is the magazine of our denomination, which is printed in support of with the United Church of Christ. It's only been three editions. Personally, I think it's a pretty good magazine. And I hope you people are reading it. That's why the session sends it to your home, so that you can be informed not only about the mission of our church, but the way mission is being conducted in different parts of the world. Most of the money that we get and give away, that 33 cents, hopefully the 40 cents out of every dollar for next year, we try to use it to the best way we possibly can. We want you to know about it. We want you to know how the national church spends its money so that you can check up to see whether it is efficient or effective. Our own money, which we give away, some of it is used here in this community. Some of it is used for this particular broadcast. Do you realize this very second my voice is being heard in parts of five states? We're very grateful for those in the radio congregation that send in gifts to help support this ministry, but that's not why we do it. We feel that this church has something to offer to the world in the form of its worship services on Sunday morning, and this is part of our missionary enterprise. Some of it goes to support the more than one million dollars of work that we are doing in mission in the present carry Pittsburgh. But the majority of the pennies that we take out of the dollar that you put into the offering plate, do you realize that goes to support mission work which is being conducted by more than 4,000 people in a hundred two countries and six continents of the world. I get upset sometimes the way it is spent, but believe me, ladies and gentlemen, when you have the responsibility, I rest pretty good at night that our money and our resources are being spent 
by reputable and honest and trusting people who have in mind the same goal as we to use it to help God build a better world. The mission, you see, is more than just knowing who you are and being informed as to how effectively and efficiently you can best give. You can talk about mission until you're dying day, but that doesn't mean any mission is going to be done. And the Lord knows we talk far too much about mission and do so very little. You can, you can study missions until doomsday, but that doesn't make mission happen. You can pray for mission, and the Lord knows none of us pray enough for our missionaries or for ourselves who are in mission. It is only when the self-realization that comes from our personal inventory, combined with the information that we are able to reap from the Bible and from the newspaper as to what kind of a world we must mission to, evokes involvement that you have mission. You can talk, you can pray, you can do whatever you want, but it takes the body involvement to make it happen. And that's where we're coming down hard. Because involvement's tough. You sweat, you get upset, you get feelings of defeat, you wish you never got started, but you get involved, and that's the way the kingdom of the world becomes greater and better. And people like you who know who you are and who are informed as to how best you can give, you get in and you give time, talent, money, you're all to help God for one reason, to build a better world. What are you doing? I'm very grateful for the number of people in this church who I know, many of them completely independent of any program we have here, are out trying to do their thing to help build a better world. I'm very grateful for the many of you who I know are working in hospitals, over at St. Barnabas' home, over at the UP home, the young people who go out on work camps, the number of people who, in your business, in positions of power, you're interested not only in making a living but helping other people to find a life. That's mission. And when you get in and involve yourself, heart, mind, spirit, and body, that is when you're helping God to build a better world. It's like D.D. Niles says in one of his books, when he, to get involved it's like going hunting for ivory. Every time you find ivory, you find there's an elephant attached to it. And that's exactly what we're talking about. It's not easy. One of the things that warms my heart this very moment is that right now, during this hour, there's a worship service going on in a church in Hazelwood down near the river, Pittsburgh. And one of the reasons there's two full workers there today, one of the reasons that a mission a ministry is beginning to grow is because this church, through some of you who gave up 
four years ago, your Tuesday nights, your Wednesday nights, and some of you the Thursday nights, since you're down to a day vacation Bible school in the summer. That mission is there today because of you. This church's involvement has excited other churches, and today there springs, after four years, the beginning of a ministry which we hope will help God to build a better world. <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what are you doing to help him fulfill his wish? Let us pray. Father, we're very grateful for all that you have given us. Please bless us as we attempt, according to your command, to go out into all the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ. And now may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore.